Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, President Trump's mostly empty threat against General Motors and the new startup that wants to take on Amazon. But first, the big climate report. So last week, the Trump administration released this massive report on climate change, written by scientists at 13 federal agencies and then peer-reviewed, which estimated that certain sectors of the U.S. economy could eventually face annual losses of hundreds of billions of dollars unless we quickly accelerate efforts to slash carbon emissions. And to be honest, that was really only the beginning of the list of possible economic and human horribles. Now, if you missed the news, that's understandable because the White House chose to release the report on the Friday after Thanksgiving when most people are focused on rampaging through shopping malls. And then once reporters did begin asking about it, this was the reply from President Trump. I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. And then yesterday, another reporter question and this reply from White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. We think that this is the most extreme version um, and it's not based on facts. It's based on it's not data driven. We'd like to see something that is more data driven. It's based on modeling, which is extremely hard to do when you're talking about the climate. So first, remember, it was President Trump's own administration that released the report he thinks is bogus. And as for Sanders, someone needs to remind her that the models were based on data kind of like the models that provide us with this Friday's forecast are based on data. It's not a guarantee, but it is our best estimate of what's coming next. Anyway, the bottom line here is that the White House just cannot be convinced to care about climate change. We might base almost all of our big economic policies on data projections, but in this case, it's taboo. And that's got to absolutely devastate all of the scientists, technologists, and others who are working on solutions. And that even includes some who think this report is maybe wrong or overstated, but also believe that we as a society can't take the risk that it's right, because at that point, it will simply be too late. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios Energy and Climate reporter Amy Harder. But first, this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Energy and Climate reporter Amy Harder. Is it any surprise to you that the Trump administration is basically denying the validity of this report? It's not, because this is what the administration and President Trump have done since day one. But this is certainly the most significant rebuttal, just disputing of the scientific consensus that they have done to date. You've heard it from President Trump. You've heard it from White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. You've heard it from the EPA administrator, Andrew Wheeler, just this morning. You've heard it from the Interior Secretary. Secretary. It is really quite astounding that you have such concerted effort on behalf of all of these administration officials to refute what is essentially their report. I haven't heard this yet, so I, I didn't hear either Wheeler or Zinke. We, we played a little bit of Trump and Sanders in the open. Are they taking any particular issue? In other words, is there something specific in the report or a particular part of the report? Or is it kind of just this blanket kind of fingers and ears, hands over eyes? It's not true. It's not true. More the latter. But there's this general comment that they've made that it's not relying on facts. It's relying on extreme scenarios. And that's just not true. This is something that has been required since the George H.W. Bush administration, who of course, was a Republican. It's 
not extreme science, but that is what this administration has thought all along about this issue. And the fact that they issued this report is really just crystallizing something that has unfortunately been the case since day one. Andrew Friedman, our colleague at Axios, our science editor, he, he made a comment when he was reporting on the report that it almost read at times like a point-by-point rebuttal of things Trump has said, even something as recent as kind of the forest management issues that Trump has raised vis-a-vis the California wildfires. When you read this thing, do you feel that in part the scientists were intentionally, maybe not trying to poke the bear, but that that was a bit of the consequence of it? I'm certainly sure that that was on their minds, but I think it's just a matter of fact that it would be a rebuttal to what Trump has said because he is wrong on the science. Now, of course, wildfires are getting worse for a few different reasons, but one major one is climate change. And I think the fact that you have this stark difference between the report and what uh, the president has said is continues this, what I consider a split screen strategy, where you have just these alternate worlds and realities. And one is real, which is that climate change is real. And then this other one, where you have this group of influencers here in Washington and elsewhere trying to doubt the science, and they have a powerful ally now in the White House. The basic rebuttal to reports like this and and the things that folks like Trump say, and they say it over and over, is that climatologists in the past, if you go back to predictions from the 70s, from the 80s, were wrong, that that there was these kind of ice age predictions, et cetera. Can you just speak to that? Because that's the thing we kind of hear, like, why would we trust the climatologists in 2018 if they were wrong in 1975? I think you can find things from decades ago that scientists were wrong on, and if you get into in-depth conversations with scientists, they will admit that. But more than that, there's a lot of things that they have gotten right and, in fact, have underpredicted what happened, like sea level rise and extreme temperatures and heat waves and things like that. So I think the problem with this issue is that it's so complicated and you lose people so quickly on the science. I, I wrote a column recently with the headline, Why Climate Change is the Easiest News to Fake, because we're not talking about inauguration crowd sizes or whether or not a reporter was inappropriate to the White House intern. You know, those things are simple, relatively speaking. This is really complicated stuff and you lose people quickly. So my job as a reporter is to try to distill it and just say things over and over again, which is that there is this scientific consensus that human activity is driving up the Earth's temperature over the last century. Do we then just kind of collectively from a practical perspective, throw up our hands? Because if the White House isn't going to push this, if the White House isn't going to approve or the president's not going to potentially sign legislation maybe coming out of the House that tries to start addressing this vis-a-vis the recommendations of these scientists, nothing gets done, right? Or nothing, nothing substantive gets done. That's probably an accurate statement, although I would say that even though we're all talking about the science, this is actually not about the science for most Republicans. And I tend to think it's not about the science for a lot of these officials in the administration. What it is, it's about the solutions to climate change. I often point to what Senator James Inhofe, a Republican from Oklahoma, who is one of the most vocal and influential climate skeptics in Washington, he went on the MSNBC a few years ago and said, I was all for addressing climate change until I found out how much it cost. Has there been a mistake might be the wrong word, but but strategic um, miscalculation, particularly when it comes to environmentalists or those who, who support have us making large changes to address climate change, that they've been making the argument really, again, more from a scientific perspective and less from a future economic perspective. You, you saw this report talked a lot about how certain sectors, the, the certain sectors of the economy would be negatively infected in the future. Is that the potentially the way to Trump's heart to make this an economic argument, not a science? argument? 
I think it is, but it's not going to get conveyed to him through a report like this. I think it's up for debate, frankly, how best people should move forward on climate change, given the political reality in Washington. I tend to think it's going to have to go through the back door. Amy Harder, energy and climate reporter for Axios. Thank you very much. My final two right after this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is President Trump. Again, yesterday, the president struck back at General Motors for its planned layoffs and factory closures. Now, the president, of course, isn't being laid off and he doesn't have to worry about putting food on the table, but he does feel betrayed by GM and has to worry about the 2020 re-election race in states he won last time, like Ohio and Michigan. And so he Twitter threatened to cut off all GM subsidies, including for electric cars. So what to know here? First, Electric vehicle subsidies are basically capped at a certain number of electric vehicle sales per manufacturer. Tesla is already past its limit and GM is almost there. So yes, GM and other automakers want that cap to be pushed higher, but doing that or not doing that would have to come from Congress. Trump can't do it unilaterally. The bottom line, these feel like empty threats, like a lot of Trump's previous threats that were aimed at individual companies. Finally, Imran Khan, who recently stepped down as the number two executive at Snapchat, is launching a new e-commerce startup with the goal of eventually competing with Amazon. Axios' Sarah Fisher this morning scooped that the startup has raised $17 million, and a source tells me that the initial product verticals could be home, baby, and health. Remember, the last guy to launch a startup to take on Amazon was Mark Lore, who started something called Jet.com. That company got bought, really in its infancy, by Walmart for $3 billion, and the result has been far more than just a thorn in Amazon's side. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national French Toast Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.